This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles brought to you by Huntworth. Huntworth bringing you quality hunting clothing and packs at a price you deserve. Check them out at huntworthgear.com. This week's episode is one I'm pretty excited about. Uh, I've been working on this one, thinking about this one since last year at ATA. Great message, great opportunity. You know, uh, I'm a veteran, there's tons of veteran podcasters out there uh veteran hunters it's just a great way to kind of get out into the woods kind of reconnect have some time with your thoughts all that sort of thing and tyson trunk hill sticks and stones archery down in iowa came up with this project to uh, get some of that old equipment that you've got laying around um dust it off, give it a new life, and get it into the hands of some veterans. And he's doing everything he can to get his message out there. Um, as you'll hear in the podcast, he started off pretty small um, with uh, you know just hoping to do one or two bows a year or something like that. Um, and it's kind of grown. But as anything that takes donations, anything that's um, you know trying to give back, uh, they need more. Uh, equipment and the more versatile the equipment the better um real excited to have him share his story share his message on here for you guys and as we're getting into that season where there's new equipment coming out everybody's oohing and on over the new bows people are picking up new bows and maybe you've got that old bow that's six seven years old uh maybe you've got some you know, just bows laying around, or there's some in your family where you're like, you know, what are you doing with that bow? Um, this is a way to kind of really help somebody and possibly change somebody's life uh, with that old stuff you've just got laying around. So, this podcast, uh, I'm really excited about. Happy 
to have him on. Uh, met him in person at the Total Archery Challenge last year in Michigan. He's going to be back there again this year and uh, looking forward to meeting up with him again. Um, so that said, um, I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Uh, Got to give a shout out to our latest Patreon, Andy Hutchins. He's out of Traverse City. Uh, hopefully we'll see him up at the Total Archery Challenge. He's jumped in headfirst into uh, our Marco Polo group and uh, is building a pretty good rapport with all the guys in there. Really enjoying that process. Uh, hoping to expand on that this year um, You know, with our Patreon hunt and other things. Total Archery Challenge. We'll be doing that again this year. Um, I got to book a, a place to stay, so that's <laughs> on my list of things to do. Real bummed this weekend, not going to be at ATA. So uh, if you guys are listening to this on your way down to ATA, you know, shoot me a message, shoot me a text, let me know what's going on down there. We are going to be in Harrisburg um, the last weekend, uh, headed up there, booked my flight, and uh, going to figure out uh, that show. Never been there. Uh, looking forward to, you know, seeing some of these same guys, uh, meeting up with some of you guys, seeing some new faces. And, um, you know, we do this and we can't do it without the Patreons uh, to go to these shows, to do this kind of stuff, to pay for the travel, to pay for, you know, all the hosting, the websites and, and all that stuff. So, you know, we try and give back as much as we can. I've still got to announce the winners for uh, the end of the year giveaway uh, with a bow, red dye site, uh, the gear from Huntworth, from Lucky Buck, from Zinger, um, all of those Spartan Forge and Spartan Forge. I don't know. I'm I'm real bummed that I'm not going to be at ATA to talk to Bill again. He's making the podcast circuit, talking about all of the new things that are coming out with Spartan Forge. But man, the mapping! So it's artificial deer intelligence, or artificial intelligence for the deer woods. His background is military intelligence, um, tracking bad guys, and he's just taking that knowledge, that technology put it onto the deer woods. And if you're following along with them, man, the, the stuff that's coming down the pike is freaking mind blowing. If you think that cell cams are not fair chase, um, some of this stuff now you still got to get out there and it's not putting these deer on a string, uh, but it's really narrowing it down where you need to be. Uh, to put you in the best opportunity. So you can check them out at spartanforge.ai. You can use code bowhunter to save 25% there. But we got to thank all of our sponsors. But thank you guys for the Patreons. If you want to check that out, go to our Instagram, click on the link. Go to the website, click on the link. Uh, we appreciate every single one of you. Enjoy the episode. And if you got an old bow laying around, definitely the end of this podcast, take down that information. And uh, he said he is going to be at the Total Archery Challenge in Michigan. And if we know enough ahead of time, uh, we can just drop the bows off to him there. Uh, he just needs to have to, he's going to have to get them, get them back to Iowa. So um, keep that in mind. Tell somebody about this. If you've got a, a friend that's a veteran who, you know, maybe wants to get into archery or, you know, you think, you know, you want to get him out, get him out shooting, get him off the couch, you know, give him, give him something positive in his life. Um, you know, reach out to Tyson or reach out to us and we can put him in, in touch. And, um, you know, that's what this project is all about. As always, thank you guys for listening. All right, everybody, Adam and John back with another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. And, uh, tonight, 
so I think it was last year, maybe around this time, um, on Facebook, I had seen another uh, guy who's in the podcast world talking about um, Tyson and the Dust Off Project and what he's doing to uh, get veterans outfitted with bows and uh, it's just a really cool thing. So I reached out to him and he actually was at the TAC in Michigan. And so we met up with him there and, uh, you know, just kind of had that like uh, first date, like, hey, this is who I am. This is who you are. You know, let's try and get together on this. And, you know, going into the season or through the summer maybe isn't the best time to be like, hey, you know, are you getting a new bow? But right now, as the new bows are coming out and we're going, you know, most people's seasons are over or they're coming to an end. We're starting to see the new models of bows come out and people are already deciding like, hey, that's what I'm going to shoot this year or, or whatever. Maybe you've got an old bow laying around or you've got, you know, you're, you're going to upgrade and you're like, oh, this bow's four or five years old. Like, am I really want to sell it? Do I have someone who, who needs it? Um, so I think it's a perfect time to, to kind of get this uh kicked off so uh, how are you doing tonight tyson hey r- real good um always busy so that makes life interesting but uh yeah lots of stuff going on we're getting ready to wrap up our whitetail season here in iowa we got two more days left but <clears throat> tuesday the 10th is our last day so trying to fill some last minute tags um and then get ready to go into indoor 3d and uh, indoor shooting season for us here. Um, so the weather could always be nicer. It's never quite warm enough in the winter time, but, uh, we make by. <clears throat> so like for you, give us some, some background on like, uh, your like hunting being in Iowa. Like, did you grow up in Iowa hunting big bucks, you know, one sixties around every corner, like, like, like we see on TV. <laughs> uh, that's a myth. I mean, there's big deer here in Iowa, but yeah, definitely not hiding behind every stalk of corn like they make it seem on TV. Um, but actually, I grew up in north central Iowa, <clears throat> and at the time, um, flat farmland, I guess. So not a lot of wooded areas up around there um, where I grew up any- anyway. So I grew up, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> pheasant hunting and upland game hunting and deer hunting was never uh even really on my radar at the time so um back in this is my embarrassing story which leads me into the archery archery world but i'll share it because it's much more embarrassing than how other people get involved um i don't know if you guys remember like 1990 91 this really cool movie was robin hood prince of thieves with kevin costner came out he shot a bow. He was total badass. Like I was just hooked at that point of like, I want to be that guy. I want to be, you know, the hero or whatever, shooting a bow, doing cool things, fighting bad guys. So, uh, I convinced my dad to help me buy a bow when I was, uh, I was probably 11 at the time. Um, and I was also involved in boy scouts and stuff like that. So I had an excuse to, other than I want to be cool, like Robin hood had an excuse to go and shoot my bow, uh, and do stuff like that. So any chance I got growing up, I was outside, you know, hunting, fishing, stuff like that. So it was just kind of a natural fit. And, you know, I shot that bow for a few years up until high school basically, and got out of it for a while because of sports 
like high school sports and there wasn't a lot of bow hunters up where I grew up surprisingly you know big Iowa being a big deer state um just wasn't wasn't really a thing at the time uh after college did an army deployment and started to get more into hunting and water following and you know what else could I do to keep me outdoors um and then when I was in my mid 20s I guess so I ended up buying a a used bow off of eBay or something like that and started tinkering around and got into, you know, before YouTube was a thing and you can just go look up how to tune a bow and, you know, there's countless videos on how to do whatever you want to do with a bow. Like there is now, I actually, you know, had to dig into magazines and books and stuff and read how, you know, whatever was available at the time I was immersing myself in written literature on how to work on bows and hunting tactics and all that good stuff. And, uh, that kind of led me to starting. I worked for a box store for a year, um, as an archery shop manager, a little over a year, um, got more experience as far as, you know, not doing just my own stuff, working on customers equipment at that point. And I left that job for a second army deployment and, uh, had other friends that convinced me that I needed to buy my own shop equipment and continue along that path of owning my own shop. And which leads us to the dust off project. But as far as the big deer in Iowa, yes, there are lots of big deer here in Iowa. And then no, it's not as easy as they make it look on TV. <laughs> so with that, like, it doesn't sound like you had like a kind of like any sort of like bow hunting mentor or anything like that. How did that like shape your hunting style or like, what is like been your hunting journey uh, with a bow? Uh, so yeah, there was no mentor. I, I was kind of am kind of was kind of a loner. Like I taught myself, like when people say, Hey, I was self-taught, I was legit self-taught trial and error, you know, uh, reading, like I said, reading the magazines, whatever I could find online at the time, uh, you know, archery talk or whatever online. And then we had a big online forum thing that was Iowa based called Iowa sportsman. That was, you know, specifically based around Iowa. So I was reading and learning from other people's mistakes, but then I would go out and make my own mistakes um, hunting public land. Um, I got, I'm lucky where I live at here, just in the Waterloo, Iowa area. There's some good public ground, um, or decent public ground, I guess. And at the time, you know, it wasn't real high pressure. So the nice thing about people in general is they're, they're kind of lazy sometimes. So they didn't want to take that mile, mile and a half walk off the main road. So, um, I was going a little bit farther in and a little bit deeper than, than the average person, I believe and finding, you know, finding the, the little heavily used deer trail that was way back in the woods and, you know, setting up that way or, um, working on stalking a cornfield in high wind and you shoot a deer at like five feet, which is insane, you know, so close that you can't even really put a sight on me just, go for it you know because it's just a big blob of brown and you see a shoulder blade and you just 
go go with it you know so that's that's kind of a neat tactic that's probably not common to a lot of people but get in there and put the sneak on real slow and pray that the wind stays high to cover your sound and it and it stays in the right direction so you don't get busted that way but yeah there's many many hours of trial and error and failure so failure is part of it it just it happens oh yeah i mean that's why we like bow hunting it's because it's not just easy you know it's not the the easy button by any means um so what was like your first experience like shooting a deer with your bow like because it sounds like where you're coming from you know there wasn't you know you weren't going out with your dad and your grandpa and they they you you got to track deer with them and got to got to see everything so like the first time you you actually killed a deer with your bow like what was that like uh so the first time i shot a deer with a bow uh i tracked for miles seemed like miles and didn't get it uh i didn't i didn't understand the you know give it some time theory and it wasn't a high probability shot to begin with it was kind of a a head-on type deal it was 20 25 yards just looking back at it now so there's a shot i should have never taken or at least that time i should have never taken it um the second deer i shot was a small buck and i was you know over the moon that everything worked out right uh and it was uh, I specifically i was sitting in a climber stand hauled this steel climbing stand back a mile probably almost a mile and a half walk back into the woods um and i set it up on a you know what i thought would be a good trail this was a, a sunday morning and i watched this little six point eight point basket go on a trail that was 40 yards farther to the south and i didn't give me a shot so then the next weekend i was like yeah you know deer do the same thing all the time so i i thought i had patterned it at that point watching it one time which i don't know whatever it worked out but the next weekend i went 35 yards farther onto that path and that same deer happened to come by about the same time and right under my stand um and i shot it and i i hit it it was almost you know too almost too close like 15 yards 10 yards right under me basically um shot it hit it in the spine and it dropped right on the spot you know and it wasn't dead and i it turned enough when it was laying down that I could put a second double long shot on it when it was on the ground and no tracking. So at that point I was an expert archer deer hunter and, you know, and everything after that point worked out just like that. But no, in all seriousness, you know, yeah, it, I got lucky. I didn't, you know, I learned from my first mistake of taking a, a better probability shot. Um, and it still wasn't textbook. Um, and I'll be the first one to admit that I've, I've done some dumb things, deer hunting, made some mistakes and learned from each time I've learned that, you know, there's a better way to do it. Be more patient, be less patient sometimes. Um, and you just got to learn how to read the situation and read your environment. Um, but yeah, spent many, many miles tracking deer with bad shots and hoping for the best and, and I've gotten lucky many times and dropped a deer, you know, with no tracking or, you know, very minimal. Um, and that a lot of that goes back to 
you know, trusting your equipment and knowing your own abilities and your own limits on what you can do with that equipment. Um, the cool thing, like where we met you guys at the tack is that shoots like that, excuse me, definitely push your boundaries and, and make you test your equipment. Um, and some shots that you would never, ever consider taking in the real world, but they make those 15, 20, 30 yard shots a lot, lot easier. Um, if you can get over the, you know, the shakes that you get from a deer walking in on you, um, that you can't replicate that in the wild unless you're going to run two miles in between, you know, in between your targets. But yeah, uh, definitely having a real deer in front of you is not like shooting a chunk of foam. So that, I mean, I, I love that kind of story because I think that there's so many people that pick up hunting kind of, and, and even like what you're talking about, and we'll get into with a dust off part project like veterans or other people who, you know, take it up, you know, later in life and they, they want to shoot their bow more. They want more, um, ability to, to get out and hunt more. And, uh, you know, most archery seasons are super long and it gives you so much time to just be out there in the, in the woods, but not everybody has a, a mentor, you know, and when I talk to people about, like if I was going to start bow hunting today, like I would find my local archery club and I would find the oldest guy there that's just at the at the club because he likes being there and ask him, pick his brain on, you know, what to do and, and kind of how to do it. And like you could go to our archery club, what, at nine o'clock every day? Nine o'clock in the morning and there's a group of the old guys and they shoot all their trad bows. They literally bring breakfast and a lunch. They're there. It's like their job. <laughs> nice. I need a job like that. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a great way. I just, I didn't have that resource. I was, it, I don't know my mentality at the time I was coming out of an army deployment, uh, when I really started to get into it and it was, I wanted to do everything myself, you know, and that's, that's just kind of my way of learning or that's how I went about it. But yeah, looking back, it'd be, I mean, I had some friends that I met, uh, you know, after I got into a little bit that kind of were like, Hey, you know, this works or this is how I hunt, you know, but I never really fully took on somebody else's style. Um, and I just found out what works for best for me for whatever particular piece of ground I was hunting. Um, because even the terrain dictates your hunting style too, and adapt and like, like read the, read the, your environment really you know, hunt the fields. If you got them, the corn standing corn, you know, or, or if you're not gonna, you know, haul a climber back there, cause that's a pain in the butt, you know, learn how to hunt the ground and use natural cover. You know, it goes back to woodsmanship and just knowing your environment, like I said before, um, or, you know, making the best of what you have. So that's kind of, you get out of it, what you put into it and, and the amount of time you want to take studying the habits of the deer. I mean, that's the cool part about technology now is, you know, you can put up a, a cellular camera or whatever, and, you know, you can learn about those deer without even having to be out there and physically seeing them yourself. You can rely on that technology that we didn't have even five years ago. I mean, it's come a long ways. And in the time that I've been deer hunting, 
a lot of things have changed, you know, and I'm sure you guys have seen that too. Just how we're putting out work and messages right now, we can sit down with our phones in our living rooms and share stories and whatever. And that wasn't a thing, you know, you were typing it out. Maybe if you're lucky 15 years ago. So a lot of things have changed. I mean, I think it's gotten easier or it's gotten easier for people to get into it because of the available resources and, you know, just different ways you can go about learning now, but yeah, definitely having a mentor, uh, shooting coach, anything that'll improve your game is definitely a, a bonus to have in your back pocket, at least. So, so from the, like the equipment side of it, like what got you into going full bore? Was it just working at the, the box store or did you have that and then took the job at the box store to kind of give you some more experience or access to equipment? Yeah, so, I mean, I really started from scratch. I got a bow and I wanted to know how to do it myself, I guess. I'm I'm horrible at learning stuff in a book. I'm very, very hands-on. Um, so that was, and mechanically inclined, like doing stuff with my hands. Gotta be, gotta be active. So that was really just the mechanics of it. I, I kind of grew up being like a car guy, I guess it'd be the best way. My dad was a contractor. So I was swinging hammers since I was like six years old, five years old. So anything mechanically and building and doing stuff with your hands and fixing things was just, it's, that's my wheelhouse. So, you know, when I could take something I love doing of hunting, which at the time was when I first started bow hunting was gun hunting and, you know, pheasants and ducks, but you know, I could hunt. There's a lot more meat on a deer than there is a duck. So, you know, I like to eat, said I like to work on my own stuff. So it kind of all just went together. You know, I'm really going to don't just dive into it. I, I don't know anybody that knows me. If I get something in my head, it's I don't half ass it. It's like we're going all the way and we're going to blow all our money on this and it's going to be a great time or it's going to be a successful failure. And we're never going to do that ever again, but we're going to die trying. So it was really just the mechanics of it and the rocket science, you know, in, in my army career, I was a field artillery officer, which basic artillery is bows and arrows dating back thousands and thousands of years. So the, you know, everything that was interesting to me and still is, is wrapped up in the bow hunting world of ballistics and trajectories and the physics of it, even though I'm horrible at math and I'll be the first one to admit that, you know, I can't do basic math in my head most of the time, you know, but just how an arrow flies and how it works and the mechanics behind all that were, you know, my driving force into being interested in it. And then, so I immediately immersed myself in everything that I could do with it. That landed me the job at the box store, which, you know, ultimately put me on the path to, you know, doing a shop out of my basement, tuning bows for friends for free, which turned into, Hey, I can make some money at this because nobody's complaining that their bows suck. <laughs> so, uh, that turned into, yeah, you know, charging a little bit here and there and getting into some custom well, at the time or entry, not entry level. Sorry. That's not the right word. So getting involved with newer companies that were starting up at the same time that were willing to put a dealership into a guy's basement shop. So like at the time it was atomic rods, uh, bowstring depot, bowstrings. And I was doing custom quote unquote, 
you know, bow tuning for guys and, and stuff they couldn't go to the box store to get, you know, and I was selling that out of my basement on custom order basis a few years. Oh, it'd be three years ago now, almost. I had the opportunity to buy out a pre-existing bow shop that had been in business for like close to 30 years. Uh, so we jumped at that opportunity, which led me to taking it out of my basement and putting it into a building on my property here. And which actually directly correlated to starting the, the dust off project. So in a nutshell, it was, you know, doing what I love turned into doing it as a job or a second job, I guess, because I still work a normal, normal full-time job and raising a family with three girls and fiance. And yeah, so we're busy. We just started the NASP school program here in our school district. We're on week two of practices starting tomorrow. So we are as a family and individual myself, we are completely immersed in the archery world and business uh, at this time anyway. So it's a family affair now. And so what's what this podcast is all about in, in everything, what is the, the dust off project and where did that like come from? How did it come about? So the dust off project is a, a nonprofit that we run uh, separate from our archery shop that is uh, meant to get archery equipment into the hands of well, first off, it started to be military veterans, and now it's branched into law enforcement and first responders and corrections officers. Um, and it's getting this equipment into their hands uh, to use it as a means of stress relief, um, PTSD mitigation, just getting them active into something uh, to take their mind off of their stressful careers or past due to military traumas due to military experience or law enforcement um, traumas and stuff like that and give them a different focus other than, you know, possibly alcohol or drugs or sitting on their couch doing whatever, playing video games. Um, so the other thing that we've come to realize is that it's been connecting people. So like veteran community is pretty big, especially in our area. We have you know, a lot of veterans organizations, but we've, we've also noticed that bow hunters and bow shooters in general are kind of like-minded people. You know, they have the same morals, the same ethics type things. So what we've noticed is we're getting these hands into the bows of veterans per se, or, or a police officer. And then they're going out and joining their local archery clubs. Um, and they're getting to know these other guys that, maybe they have similar backgrounds in law enforcement or whatever, but they all have that connection of putting a bow in their hand and enjoying their time in the outdoors and just, you know, and you guys probably know this too. When you, when you put a bow in your hand, you're not really worried about, you know, paying your mortgage or, you know, that kid's school activity that you, you know, you have to be to, or you missed it because of work. You, you know, I joke about this, but it, it's kind of true is I've never met a, sad person shooting a bow you know that whatever's bothering them at the time when they're when they're out doing their archery thing isn't what's on their mind right at that moment they are focused on you know putting that arrow down range um into a target or you know if they're out in the woods it's 
just chilling, you know, taking in the scenery, getting ready to shoot that monster buck or that old doe. And they're not, you know, they're not concerned about, you know, having to be at work or, you know, missing something, you know, whatever's going on in their life isn't the priority at that point. It's just doing your bow thing. So, uh, I don't know. That's my experience with it anyway. Um, but anyway, so the dust off project, we don't, we don't charge them anything. Um, so all the equipment that we get is donated, um, either mostly through individuals. We do have a few corporate sponsors like HHA sites donates, uh, a site for every bow. If, if we get something in that already has a nice site on it, like somebody donates a complete package, we generally don't change that out if it's a good workable thing, but a lot of the stuff we get in is bare bows. So we'll throw on a, a new HHA site for them that was generously donated. Um, and then we, you know, it doesn't always work out the best, but we try to give them as complete of a package of a bow that we can at the time. Um, so, you know, a rest, you know, that there's, it fluctuates. I mean, sometimes we'll get in a bunch of stuff at once, um, and it's complete packages or, you know, stuff guys find that they haven't used. They'll, they'll donate a rest or whatever here and there. But um, we try to do the best we can with what we're given. And generally, it's been working out fairly well that or at least it gets gets them on the started on the right page. And then they'll go visit their local bow shop and start developing those relationships with their local archery shops and local archery clubs and and, you know, get the rest of the stuff they need locally, which is, it's also what we want to do. Cause we want to be able to connect those guys with those like-minded people in their areas. If, if they're not local to us here, so nice. that, that brings up like a million questions. <laughs> so sure. like, yeah, uh, where, um, like what, how much of a burden is it for you to, to you know, cause you probably don't tell people no i don't want stuff but you probably get some stuff that you're like man thanks i guess yeah right? like so yeah so is there I like mean, what's the cutoff on like your like the old bows it i mean it really depends on the bow so like everybody knows like matthew switchbacks outbacks like hoyt's that are you know like the alpha max the maxis stuff like that that are they're modern but like they were like the changing point of modern technology we'll say so they're going more towards those parallel limb bows you know they don't look outdated per se when you look at them so like if i was gonna throw a year era i guess onto what what we like to get and newer i'd say like 2008 and newer so like Hoyt Katera's newer stuff but like once in a while we find like this random gem of a, a really cool old target bow you know that that comes into the into the dust off project so we don't exactly tell people no you know we appreciate anything we can get and sometimes I have guys that are you know they're already dabbling into bow hunting or whatever but they're like hey I I want to get a bow fishing setup you know is that something you can hook up hook me up with heck yeah you know I have this old browning or jennings something that that'd be great for bow fishing you know another another aspect of the archery world but it it's not something that we would generally give away for you know for a you know a deer hunting or target shooting bow for somebody that wants to get 
new into the sport, but we, we definitely do the best we can with what we, what we have. So, um, and really, I guess we can backtrack a little bit. So how this all really started, um, I have a good friend of mine. She, she's big into upland hunting, but she also dabbled in, uh, in archery deer hunting specifically. Um, and she was a Navy veteran that was medically retired because of a injury. She suffered a, a broken back, um, and fought this for years and years and finally got to the point where she couldn't shoot her bow anymore. Um, so she, her only stipulation on this is, Hey, I got this bow. I want it to go to another veteran. I was still working, you know, in the national guard, um, at the time. So she's like, you got access to tons of soldiers. You know, you know how to do the bow work. Cause I was doing that at the time to just a few years ago. Um, and so that was really our kickoff into, I put a thing on my face, personal Facebook page. Hey, I got this bow. This is the specs on it. Any, any of my soldier guys that are connected with me through Facebook, you know, interested in this deal. And it, it was only supposed to be a one-time deal, but I had so much feedback that guys were like, Oh, I, I've been thinking about, you know, since we got back from this deployment or whatever, I've been thinking about getting the bow hunting, but I don't know how to start. Or, you know, I don't know how to measure my draw length. I don't know how to do any of this, but, you know, I want to get started. Um, so I got that bow to a guy that he had hunted with his dad. Like, you know, like most people start, you know, they hunted with a family member. This guy in particular had hunted with his dad, you know, had a bow when he was a teenager and outgrew it and never stayed with it. So this was my, you know, his jump back into it, into bow hunting was this bow that we ended up giving him as a, a complete package, everything that he needed. Um, and then it was, you know, people are still, Hey, you got any more bows? You know, I I'd like to get started. I want to come see you, you know, and at the time I wasn't retailing bows. It was just my own personal stuff and whatever I would order for people for, you know, a custom build or a custom tune up or whatever. So, and then I, I ran this past some friends of mine that were, um, actually we run together. Now we run the urban herd Facebook pages. They do a lot of urban hunting and, you know, light setup tactic stuff. But, um, I ran this by another army captain friend of mine and he's like, yeah, that's great idea. What are you going to call it? And I was like, man, I even thought about a name. I'm just trying to get bows out to people now and asking, starting to ask for donations of hey, these are going to go to veterans. And I was just going to do it as a, just a fun side gig thing to connect with other veterans. Um, so then it, he's like, yeah, you gotta have a cool name. Cause that's going to help when you describe what you're going to do is, you know, what are you going to call it? And I was like, man, I don't know. Give me something. So he's like, I don't know, something with dust off dust, you know, and he, and he was going with the play on words of, dusting off your old equipment from your closet, donating it to this group and re, you know, so it goes to a veteran, but in the, the veteran community and the military community, dust off is the call sign for a medevac, a life flight from the battlefield generally. So, you know, we went, we just ran with that as, you know, these bow hunters that are experienced and have old equipment laying down are going to dust off that equipment hand it over to us to hand back to a veteran that in turn will use it to save their own life. Um, if they're battling with PTSD or, you know, whatever physical injuries that, you know, are affecting them that they may be considering taking their own life, 
Um, and it just kind of spiraled from there. And we, I made a Facebook page and I was putting them on my own personal ones and through my own connections to the archery world, people started to pick up on this and they're like, man, that's cool. I want to, how do I help? How do I get you a bow? Uh, you know, and then people start to ask my story and we, you know, I was going through seeking my own help for PTSD at the time. So then it turned into, you know, I could connect with those guys that were coming to me to get a bow to take their mind off things because, Hey, I have the same problem. You look at me, you know, you wouldn't be able to tell, but it's one of those silent killers. It's one of those things in the background that people don't openly talk about. Um, and part of my healing process was like, man, I'm going to share my story and do the best I can for you. So you can, uh, I don't know. So you can, you know, draw on my experience and like, it's okay to ask for help. And guess what? You know, we can talk about PTSD issues or we can take our bow and go out and forget about our problems together and we can go shoot. And, you know, that really led me into getting more involved with more veterans through different things with outdoors and hunting. And yeah, so then in turn, the more we put online about what we were doing to help other people, the more people wanted to help. And I think up till now we are 70 some bows deep in about three years. We've somewhere between 60 and 70 bows have been handed out. We got to about five or 10 in and we actually developed a Facebook page where we're I'm way behind on this. So if you want to go look at it, I'm probably a year behind on putting write-ups on it, but we actually, we'd, we do a picture of the, the veteran or law enforcement officer with their, their new bow or bow that's new to them and their equipment or whatever. And then we would, you know, tell them about who donated the bow or what actually equipment they were getting. So if somebody was donated, they could go look I'm like, Hey, that's the guy that got my bow. That's cool. Um, and, but then I would tell a, a paragraph of like their military bio, you know, of what this soldier has done, you know, to, they deserve recognition regardless of what they've done, but Hey, this guy deployed here. This is what he did for the army, the Navy, the air force, wh whoever they may be, you know, and we tell that, that service member story, you know, and just so people can see that these are real guys, we have real issues, you know, but they're getting this bow because they deserve it. And they're, they're trying to improve their lives and do something better for themselves. So yeah, that's kind of a lot to throw at you at one time, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's been real rewarding and through the, the grace of people that want to help and want to donate their products, we've been able to, to, you know, affect 60 to 70 guys and women's lives. Um, and a few kids, we've got some few, a few kid bows donated where those go to recipients of dust off bows. We'll give them to their kids so they can, they can shoot with their kids or their kids can shoot with them. And that's, that's a lot of fun for us too, to see like hand a kid a bow and he's like, yeah, I can shoot with my dad or mom now. That's cool. You know, and they don't know why they're getting it, but they appreciate it. And then the parents especially appreciate, uh, you know, being able to do something, connect with their kids as well. So that's, I love the dual meaning of the dust off part. I didn't, I had no idea, you know, I don't have a military background, but that's pretty cool. Yeah. So definitely wasn't my idea. I, I owe my buddy Adam the credit for that, but, uh, yeah, we've been friends for a while now. The first time I met him was on like a, a trip to Kosovo that the army sent us on together. And we've been 
good friends either ever since. So yeah, pretty neat that I called on one of my friends to help me out in my time of need, I guess, when apparently this thing that I thought was just going to be something little, it's blown up into a a pretty big, no pun intended, but it's blown up into a pretty big thing. (laughs) So, yeah. So what is the biggest, like, need i think you know so like john here's got a 32 inch draw length or something (laughs) or like you know left handers or you know there's going to be that idiosyncrasy where there's a guy that you really want to help but you know yeah you you can't give Um, him a a kid's bow right yeah so that's the biggest thing is you know having the right equipment at the right time so just having a good inventory of stuff where I can make a selection, um, you know, especially dealing with veterans and law enforcement guys, we run into the, the, you know, a lot of us think we're bigger and stronger and tougher than we are, but we have a lot of guys with shoulder, arm, upper back injuries that, you know, they can't pull a 70 pound bow, you know, so we're lighter poundage bows are fine. You know, we know how to compensate with, you know, lighter arrows and different broadheads if they're going to hunt with it, or they just, they just want to shoot. So they'll shoot whatever, as long as they can draw it, you know, but like the biggest thing I run into is like the average archer, you know, is around that six foot build. Just the general population of males in the United States are six foot, 200 some pounds, so they're, they're in that 28 to 29 and a half, 30 inch draw range. So the majority of my bows that I need are in that, that draw range that fit most guys, you know? So a lot of times I have the weird inventory that's 25 to 27 and a half inches, you know, 70 pounds, 80 pounds, like weird stuff. Like the Cam's Hain guys that want to shoot 90 pounds <laughs> and they're 26 inch draw or I, the weird left-handed, you know, 31 inch, 75 pound bow that like, who the hell am I going to give that guy? So eventually somebody's going to come through and want it or need it. But yeah. So a lot of the times, you know, if anybody's like, Hey, I got this whatever model, but it, it'll fit, you know, it's got a rotating module, so it'll fit 27 to 31 inch, you know, and it's, it's a 60 to 70 pound or 50 to 60 pound or like, yes, please give me that because I can fit a good number of people into that. But, but I know at the same time, there's a lot of guys out there in my same draw range that have a pile of bows sitting around that they're never going to touch their old stuff again. Cause they get a new one every couple of years or every year and they don't know what to do with their old ones, or it's not even worth selling sometimes because, you know, anybody that's been around the bow world enough knows that used bow prices are worse than used cars and sometimes you're just better off giving them away for the pure enjoyment of seeing somebody else enjoy the sport you know which which is what i hope happens because that means i'm getting a bow from somebody to give to a veteran um but yeah so but anything we can get you know as long as it's serviceable and doesn't need parts replaced because that's a lot of the problem with older bows is just the parts availability um but yeah, so I got the hookup for string sets if it needs a new string. So I'm not really worried about general maintenance type things. It's, you know, a good bow in good working condition that, you know, is more modern is always best. But we really will take anything we can get because we can find a use for it. And so how do you 
how do people find you or how do you find people for the project that are recipients? Um, so recipient wise, uh, you know, we put as much as we can up on Facebook. Uh, although I already admitted that our actual dust off project, Facebook pages, uh, a little outdated, but so there's that it's actually on Facebook. It's the dust off project by sticks and stones, archery, super long title, but the dust off project or dust off was already taken when I tried to snag, snatch up my Facebook page. So couldn't use that. But, um, so, you know, a lot of word of mouth, uh, people, you know, I'll post on like veterans groups, like, Hey, you know, some people, there's all kind like you can find all kinds of crap on Facebook, but like, you know, just through, I'll see a lot of times like on a, you know, trophy bucks of Iowa or whatever Facebook page, hunting oriented Facebook page, it'll be people like throwing out that veteran card. So, Hey, I got a veteran friend that's looking for a bow or you can just tell by some people's Facebook profiles or whatever that they're, they're in the military or law enforcement. I mean, we're not hard to pick out of a crowd normally, you know, so I'll, somebody hey i'm looking for a bow i'm new to archery i'll click on their profile or my buddy's new you know and they'll tag their name and i'll i'll scout them out myself sometimes you know and be like oh you're a veteran hey i might have a deal for you if you're brand new to archery and you and you fit our qualification criteria um which is super easy for the most part but you know so we do some active scouting um and then a lot of it's word of mouth from other people that are involved in the archery community that you know, veterans, we're getting better about it, but we tend to reach out now when we're, we're looking for help or advice. Um, so I get a lot of directed to me through other archery industry connections and other archery friends and just people we've randomly met on the way, or, you know, some, somehow people randomly stumble across our Facebook page or the shop Facebook page, and they see the link between the two. And, so, yeah, I don't always know exactly how people get directed to me, but somehow they find us. Um, a lot of them this past year have been just direct connections through friends or other dust off recipients. You know, veterans know veterans. So if they get a, a cool hookup from us, you know, they're, they're going to tell their buddies that, hey, I got into archery. This is how I did it. And they come find us. So lots of ways, I guess. Where's the furthest place that you've sent them, Korea. No kidding. Yeah, you know, I had a a guy reach out. He was stationed in Korea and wanted to get into it, so I shipped him a bow to Korea. <laughs> <laughs> so pretty cool. But his plan was he was going to shoot it there while he was there and leave it for another any somebody that he had met or was gonna. He didn't know at the time, but he wasn't going to bring it back to the states. And he said when he got back, he was going to buy himself a new bow, but he wanted to learn while he had free time there. Um, so he could come back and take up hunting when he was here and he was just going to hand it off to some other veteran there. And I said, that sounds like a great plan, you know, go for it and shipped him off a, a Bowtech actually a Bowtech sniper deal. So sent that to him to his, to his Korea address, but, um, I've shipped all over the United States. Yeah. So a lot of local, you know, that first year we were doing it, just walk in type people. And then 
then it really blew up on Facebook and then we were shipping nationwide and to military addresses overseas. And that was pretty cool. I never, I never expected that, that I was going to get a reach out from Korea and like, Hey, hook me up, man. But it happened. So yeah, pretty neat. So 60, 70 bows is, I mean, an incredible impact, but in the scope of the archery, like industry, like how has it not, like gained recognition or like relationships developed with like some of these bow companies or like some of the, they're like staff shooters or something. I mean, we all know guys that have a basement full of bows or guys that get a new bow given to them every year. It seems like that, you know, such a, a a noble thing you know it's not like you're doing this for any sort of benefit to yourself you know yeah um so i tried that approach um 2020 i went to the ata show um for my shop but that was my ulterior motive you know i just wanted to go to the show and you know so we we did our ata membership and went but we really talked to a lot of the guys uh, the manufacturers about the dust off project specifically, I was trying to get it kicked off really at that time. That's when we realized it was going to be a bigger thing than, than we originally planned, which we thought at the time that, you know, it'd be one or two bows a month through just through the shop, like new old stock or a used bow that had been on the shelf too long. And just to get rid of it, to keep fresh inventory, we would, you know, if it sat there for any period of time, we were just going to give it away to a veteran and move on with our lives. Um, so that was our original plan. Then, you know, it, it, we've really started to have people see what we were doing. And I had a guy from Kansas, it was Kansas or Nebraska. Anyway, lower midwest got a hold of me he was like hey i want to you know he called me up kind of just feeling me out like making sure i was legit so i i had like a 45 minute conversation with this guy he's like hey i'm gonna okay cool i'm gonna drop a few bows in the mail to you um which i was thinking like one or two from the sounds of it so week goes by i didn't see anything week two early i had eight bows dropped at my doorstep from one guy. So I don't know if he was some sort of writer, but it was like a bunch of different models, all kind of similar specs. But so I don't know if he was a magazine writer he wouldn't really tell me what he did for a job, but he's like, here you go. Um, and that was like October, November of 2019. So something that we thought was going to be one or two bows a month in December of 2019 i did 14 bows in two weeks so basically a bow a day was going out to a veteran uh that was a walk-in through my shop uh or you know local anyway and they they see what i had or hit me up about it and so that that's when we really knew it was going to be a big thing fast forward a couple weeks after that the 2020 ata early january um, my focus had changed from just going to check things out for the shop and see what was up with the archer industry to let's push this dust off projects. You know, so we started making contacts that way. And Chris Ham at HHA was already on board because we had a, a prior mutual friend connection um, that got us together. And that's when he was straight up, you know, 
called me up out of the blue and I had no idea who he was at the time, not knowing he was like an industry giant. He's like, Hey, my name's Chris. I got, I want to help you out. Turned into I'm like, who the hell are you? You know, Chris, <laughs> who I don't know anything about you. And he's like, Oh, I, you know, he didn't say how he wanted to help out. And he's like, Oh, I got some sites for you if you want them. Basically, you know, he's like, I own HHA sports. I'm like, Oh, you know, my jaw hit the floor. I'm like, how'd this happen type of deal. And then, so we talked with him down there and he made us some connections with other people that he knows. Cause obviously he knows people in the industry and, but we've never really had the backing of a, an actual bow company other than expedition archery, who is local to me, like a 60 mile drive. Um, I staff shoot for them. We're a dealer for them. Um, just got to know them because they're close and we do a lot of business with them. Um, so they, they're my, I wouldn't say they're a corporate sponsor, but we do get a lot of bows from them because just the locality and they, they go through demo bows and stuff like that. And, um, got some cool prototype stuff from them that we've given out. Mark Heck, the owner has donated some of his personal bows, which, one of them shot the number two world record red stag, uh, which I didn't know at the time. And I ended up handing it out to a, a Marine that lives uh, fairly close here. And he went with his job. He was a delivery driver for like a speedy delivery, uh, like a UPS service called speedy delivery. I don't know if you guys, well, anyway, so he stopped in there cause they were actually one of his route customers and talked to him about this bow that he got. And they're like, Oh yeah, that was Mark's bow. It, it shot the number two world record red stag, you know, so that was a pretty cool story. I'm like, I didn't even know that. I just know Mark gave us a bow and but yeah. So just, I don't know how it's never worked out with other than, you know, we've made connections. We talked to those people and I don't know if it's a liability thing or they're kind of standoffish about donating a bow. That was a demo bow for their trade show circuit. You know, if, I don't know. There's a lot of legal things that go into giving away stuff, use things. And I think the corporate guys kind of like to do the CYA aspect of it and not hand that back out. So I'm not sure. I guess we can challenge somebody to get on board with donating those from a corporate standpoint. But um, it's kind of cool that it's grassroots driven, though. At the same time, it's people making connections like person to person, too. So um when we hit that, that ATA show, you know, we told everybody what we were doing, you know, we're straight honest. Like, I don't, I'm not going to, if you want to donate, you know, you may donate rest, but I'm also going to go after this other company to donate rest. Like you are not going to be my sole exclusive. If you want to get on board with this, because I want people to make connections with industry wide, not just pigeonhole. I mean, somebody comes to me and like, Hey, I got a pile of sites. I work for spot hog or, you know, whatever other site company B3 or whatnot, you know, I, I'm not going to tell them, no, you know, I want, I want to get their business out there. Anybody that wants to donate to the dust off project to help veterans and law enforcement, I want to get their name out there too and support their business and make sure they're getting the recognition they deserve for recognizing what our veterans have done for us and our law enforcement continue to do um, and help out any way we can and get them some recognition too. So I didn't, we don't ever focus on any one specific company or brand or anything like that. Um, 
because everybody has their favorites, you know, so I'm not going to promote any one thing over the next. And I've had that discussion with Chris, even though he, he donates lots and lots of sites to us. And he knows that, you know, because he does his own veteran nonprofit, he's not going to be like, you know, you, you can only do this or we're going to cut you off. And, you know, that was our understanding from the start and it's been great. And I hope, you know, I hope we can get more relationships like that, but if they don't come, we're still going to keep doing the best we can with what we got. Sure. I just think of like, I mean, just throwing some like names out there, but like, uh, you know, that like Lee and Tiffany or fricking the Drury's like they got, they can get a new bow every year from whoever they oh, ask for. So, yeah. you know, what are they doing with those old bows? You know, that's, that's yeah. just like, it seems like there would, there, there are these people and I'm not saying that it's wrong by any means, but you know, they get given the latest model bow every year uh, because of what they do and who they are. And then the rest of those bows, I mean, you only have so much family like that you could give away <laughs> yeah. your bows to. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I've wondered that. I mean, I have my own and I keep my own little collection of stuff because it's something I like, but yeah, it's, it's always a thought. Um, I've talked with Candy Kiske at the ATA, a friend, mutual friend just that isn't related to archery that went with us actually knew her or was friends with her husband and she she's short she's like i'm a 24 inch draw or like tiny she's like i can give you bows she's like i got a pile of bows but you know it's not going to fit our demographic you know but she's like if you really ever need something reach out you know gave me her card so i have that contact but you know i don't i don't see many 50 pound draw 24 inch you know, military veterans. I mean, there's a few females out there that fit that, that demographic to the military, but you know, we're looking for, yeah, the Lees and the, you know, John Dudley. Oh, he's an exception too. Cause he's a giant, but you know, we, we, we need the average guy size shooters and some of the, you know, you would never know it. I mean, you see them on TV, but they're not average sized at all, you know? So, but yeah, there's, that's the part that kind of just kind of shocked me was, you know, everybody does the show circuit and they take 10 demo bows with them and travel all over the place with them. And what do they do with them at the end of the year, you know, or, or the, the show personalities, but I haven't developed that extensive connections to be able to talk, just call up Lee and be like, Hey buddy, what's, what's going on? Can I get your old bow from two years ago or whatever? You know, <laughs> I don't know. I met him. I met him there. He's super cool. He actually, <laughs> I actually, at the time I worked for an ethanol plant with a company that he used to work for. So we, we walked up to him at a table. That wasn't my goal to meet him either. Cause I know he's local to Iowa and I could go to any trade show around here and meet up with him. But I was like, Hey man, I used to work for this company that you used to work for. We got all kinds of stuff in common, you know? And, you know, so that we had a good time just meeting them, but yeah, I never hit him up about a donation because it just didn't feel right. Sometimes that theft that doesn't feel right either. You know, like, I don't know, they, they meet so many people like, and I'm sure they get hit up for donation things all the time. And, Oh, you got money. Give me some of yours, you yeah. know? So I never <laughs> wanted to be that guy. That's like, Hey man, I'm doing this thing and I want your old bows. That's, that's, I'd rather develop that relationship first or have them see what I'm doing and come to me and want to help. Not me. Like, beating down your door going, Hey man, I know, I know you got, and I want, you know, that's just not, 
that I'm not comfortable doing that. And that's not the way I want to operate. And I don't want people to see the dust off project is these veterans are begging for things because there's lots of other people that are deserving of help and need help too, and not just the veteran community and law enforcement community. So, you know, I want people to want to help because that's what they want to do, not because we're going and begging for handouts. Correct. Sure. A lot of that's a comfort thing, you know, um, like Chris, I'll use him as he came to me because we had a mutual connection and, you know, he was pointed out to what we're doing. Um, and then we developed a, a great, amazing friendship, you know, because of his want to be involved with the, the veteran community um, and his own veteran nonprofit that my fiance and I are heavily involved in. Um, and over the last couple of years, we've got to be very close friends and, you know, we talk outside of archery, you know, things that are important to us like religion and, um, you know, just wanting to help people in general, you know? So, yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know if it's a peculiar way to do business when you're asking for things and needing donations, but that's, that's how we want to operate. We want to have long time lasting friendships and relationships, um, with these people, not just, a once and done type deal. Thanks for your help. See you later and never hear from us ever again or the other way around, you know? So, yeah, no, I, I, I completely understand that and agree with it. It just seems like, you know, th- maybe they just got to hear about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause it's, cause like oh, yeah. I said, the, where it's coming from is completely, um, you know, you're completely transparent and it's like, like I said, like the only word I can think of is like a noble thing to do is you're just trying to, to help people with something that, you know, has helped you and trying yep. to kind of pass it along. And it, it just seems like getting it in front of the right people. Like, yeah, from corporate, I, I would imagine that that's a terrible thing because they just want what's best for them, you know, at the end of the day you know, yeah. the higher up you go, like, it, it seems like you need to be, you know, at the, at the level. So it, maybe it's just more podcasts, more word of mouth and getting out there and, you know, getting in front of the right people. Yeah. More exposure, more tax, more traveling, more, more like, but the other thing I, I don't want to say it's a corporate greed thing. Cause I don't know, I don't run a corporation at all, but like, you know, they want to sell bows. So, they're going to give bows to the people that are promoting their shows, the TV personalities, because that in turn is going to sell bows. Uh, and they don't want to give something away to anybody else that isn't going to, you know, get the big, ooh, ah, big picture thing, because that's just them giving away profits at that point. Uh, so I don't know. I guess if I was running a corporation and it was the greedy corporate side, I would look at it from that viewpoint, but, I'm not that type of person and I would like to see people get enjoyment out of it and help other people. So, and I don't know, that could be one take on it. I don't know, just a, a quick thought, or it could just be, they don't know what we're doing. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. One thing I found kind of weird. So like we're out there, people know us on Facebook, <laughs> you know, I see random posts. Um, but I really think the point when we made it was we were, we were getting used the dust off or dust off term was getting used as a verb, I think is the right terminology. So like 
I randomly ran across this Facebook book post. This kid was trying to not kid 20 something had a bow. He was trying to give it away. And he's like, Hey guys, I got this dust off bow, you know, for somebody, if, if you know somebody that wants a bow, I was like, what do you mean dust off bow? Cause he wasn't a recipient. And he's like, and I played it off. Like I didn't know what he was doing. You know, I was like, what do you mean dust off? And he's like, Oh, I just got this bow. I want to give it to a veteran or something. And he's like, they call it dust off. I was like, man, that's my, that's my thing. I started like, that's awesome. You know, go for it, do it. But like, you stole my term, you know, like, <laughs> like, so we had really made it when somebody was using dust off as, you know, their, their description on how they wanted to give a bow away. So I'm like, that was pretty cool. <laughs> kind of hit you right in the field. But at the same time, I'm like, man, don't steal my business. You know, that's my thing. <laughs> so, but yeah, it was cool. We had a laugh about it and he's like, nah, I didn't mean to do that. I'm like, no, I get what you're doing. That's cool. I mean, I, I fully support what you're doing. And I've had other friends that, that have bow shops or had, and he went into just string making only, but he, we were trying to start a separate chapter down South in uh, Mississippi area that he was going to do out of his own shop, but he just didn't, he wasn't a veteran. So he didn't have that veteran connection. And he was a little bit newer in the shop business than I was, but we were going to try to start a second branch down South so he could collect bows down in his area and redistribute. And that just never worked out. So big picture, like we want to try to develop like a dealer network where like I would, because of my, you know, previous military experience and like not saying that's a a deal, but like my security clearance that I've had and just the trust that, you know, veterans share between it. Like, so I would vet the recipients um, and I'd have this network of other dealers and through the U.S. that I could trust to like, hey, I'm going to send you this bow for this particular veteran that came to you you know, do your thing with it. You get the final tune up, you get any additional sales for, you know, arrows and releases and stuff like that. We're just going to hand off the bow with accessories or bow in sight and rest. And then the rest is up to you to, you know, I trust you as a dealer, as part of my dealer network through the dust off that you're going to do right by this veteran and get them on the right page. And long-term that would be, that's our pretty lofty goal of like having a cool connection with, several dealers that we trust to the u.s to you know finalize and make these connections with veterans on their end and i would just do you know the background check of making sure to verify that they're actually a veteran and you know collecting their specs on what they need for a bow and being able to go to my assortment of donated equipment and be like here's this for former sergeant bob and i'm gonna send his bow to whatever shop in missouri and or new york or wherever they may be and then shop owner dave that you know i trust is gonna get this guy fixed up and you know shooting not just handing him a bow and saying good luck so ultimately that's the goal but we're we're baby stepping it right now still so if people have bows or whatever equipment, or if they want to donate to you, like what's the process for that? How do they do that? Um, so basically reach out to me either through like Facebook messenger is a good one. My personal stuff. So Tyson Trunkhill, pretty easy to look up or, uh, through sticks and stones, archery page, or through the dust off by sticks and stones, archery page, or sorry, the dust off project. Um, just messenger me, you know, with what you got, you know, and, and how to get it to me generally, you know, ship it at that point, you know, it's the donator 
is also covering the shipping costs to get it to me, which most guys are pretty okay with, um, knowing that the bow is going to go to a veteran. If it's one of those things where they really have an old piece of equipment or not old, but have a piece of equipment they want to donate, but just can't cover the cost. I do, you know, we can work that out to cover the shipping too. If, if need be, if they're not comfortable with just, you know, covering it themselves. So we, we try to try to work it as best we can, but, um, yeah, so pretty easy to, I'm pretty easy to find on Facebook through any one of those three pages, my personal one or the, the shop page or the dust off project page. And, uh, you know, we'll work it out that way. Cool. Until we find a better method. Sweet. Bow question? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so what bow, the question I always ask our guest, what bow are you shooting currently and what's your setup? If you ask my fiance, I have too many. <laughs> um, so currently for hunting, I'm using a, an expedition MX 32. Um, so it'd be a 2022 model patiently waiting my 2023 to drop to me. Um, whenever I get that ordered and, and into the shop here, but, um, so I'm running a Hamsky Trinity rest on the core mount, the integrated core mount on the riser there. Um, HHA Tetra max was a four pin. I took out two pins. So I'm running as a two pin setup. So when I have it locked in at the dead stop at 20 yards, I have a 20 and 35 yard pin to hunt. Um, and then I obviously with a, a Tetra or HHA side, I can dial it into whatever yardage if I want to shoot 3d with it or whatever. Um, I'm using a jacked gear sling. Um, I run twisted X strings made out of bloodline material. Let's see what else is on that thing. This would be so much easier if I was doing this from my shop and out my living room. Cause I just look at it sitting right there. <laughs> um, atomic rod stabilizer setup, um, which they, they actually sold out their business. So I'm no longer shooting for them, but I still have some of their equipment. Um, on that one, I'm running a, a weight on my bars on that one or bar. I guess I took my back bar off, but I'm running a, a weight system that I'm developing myself. That's doesn't use standard, uh, like stabilizer weights, kind of something I'm developing on my own that I'm not going to throw out there online yet <laughs> but i got some other friends that are big into target shooting that are that are testing it out for me too um so that's kind of something neat that we're dabbling in doing our own thing Sweet. but then i i'm using a stan sx2 thumb release four finger thumb release that i've been running for years and years and i just haven't found anything i like better for hunting um that bow what am I shooting for arrows? Killing sticks. Uh, yeah. So that one I'm using killing sticks PT series arrow, um, with, uh, 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 AAE max stealth veins and, um, grim reaper whitetail special 125 grain, uh, field or not field points, broadheads. So, Nice. Some combination of stuff I've put together for the last couple of years has been working real well for me. So, yeah, 
no big buck yet this year. I got a couple of days, but I shot two does in about a five minute time window. And then the next week, my fiance shot a nice 10 point with a 22 inch inside spread. Her first buck, second time sitting in a tree stand by herself. Nice. Uh, I was in a, on a, the same property. This place we hunt actually has a blacktop that splits the property in two. So I was sitting up on this hay field on the other side in a double stand setup that we have with our middle daughter. Um, so her first time out hunting, maybe ever, maybe her second time ever. But so like we're sitting in a tree stand and getting a text like, this is stupid. I'm not seeing anything. We definitely weren't seeing anything up where we were sitting. Five minutes later, I get a text from my fiance and she's like, I just shot a buck. <laughs> like, what? Like, I didn't believe her because she just told me that, you know, five minutes before that, that she wasn't seeing anything and this is stupid. <laughs> so after she convinced me that that actually happened, uh, we waited uh, about an hour and got down and walked the slow way around and I actually crossed the blood path blood trail on my way to go get her from the stand and she's like do you see anything I'm like yeah i already found your blood trail it looked pretty good so uh deer went i don't know we didn't really track we tracked from where i found it so estimating it it went 120 yards total in like a loop basically it died about 100 yards from where we park our truck which was nice because we could drive 50 yards closer and <laughs> saw it laying there on its side and i thought we have one on the property that was busted off and i thought she shot the busted off one which is still a pretty nice deer because it was laying on top of one of his antlers and like man you shot that busted off eight and she's like i told you i was like you know we kind of bickered back and forth a little bit and i was like no there's five points there so it's already more than the eight and i i went over got a little bit better looking I'm like that's a wide ass 10 point that <laughs> we, had, we had pictures from it early on when it was still in velvet and it just kind of disappeared until it showed up at 12 yards from her stand and she smoked the hell out of it so <laughs> nice. yeah we were pretty proud moment for both of us and now she's the big deer slayer and i'm just her caddy to get her equipment ready <laughs> make sure she's ready to hunt which is it's amazing i love it it's perfect you know i told her last last year was her first time ever hunting and she shot a really nice doe the first time i got her into a tree stand um and then she's just been killing it she very coachable which makes it nice even though we have to live together so <laughs> Uh, we we leave our grievances at the door when it comes to how much better of a shooter she is uh, going into her third year of archery in general. Oh, I know. Yeah, we're going to put this in public record that she's she picked it up and ran with it. And um, so last year, was last year your first R100? Second. Second R100, she finished at our local one at for us, we we get pretty convenience by some things. The R one hundred is not even an hour drive from our house, so she finished second year ever shooting the R one hundred and second year shooting at all. She finished first in the women's category uh, overall. One of North American, she was second place by like down by like two points, and then the African side of it, she was. 12 points ahead or something 
turned out i don't know i don't know how she does it she's just like i just do my thing you know so (laughs) i don't question it too much because yeah i've been shooting for a long time and sometimes she just makes me look like i just started so (laughs) yeah it's neat and she wasn't actually shooting from the women's stakes she was shooting from the men's open stakes which is a considerably farther than than uh the women's normal i think it's men's bow hunter and women's stakes are the same and then men's open is farther and she shot everything from the men's open side so i'd really hate to see how she would have tore that thing up if she would shot getting those 10 15 20 yard advantages on some of those long shots it would have been it would have been brutal so nice yeah very interesting <laughs> so cool she deal. wins with grace, grace and dignity and doesn't rub it in my face constantly anyway <laughs> i don't so. know i've seen some of your facebook posts and it looks like you're staring out the window waiting for deer and all sorts of things yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i make good photo ops of like look how great this scenery is and then she's just over here like oh i shot another deer what are you doing <laughs> i'm not seeing anything you're lucky i put you in the good stand is really how it goes yeah that's exactly what i was gonna say i'm getting the stare down now too so <laughs> oh. that's what i told her a couple, like last year and i was like i hope you shoot a bigger deer than me and that was my goal is to get her on a bigger deer so now it's i'm gonna put her in the worst stand possible and until i get my revenge on her and then then we'll go back to her getting a big deer again i think <laughs> so well, awesome. I want to just want to thank you for taking the time tonight. And, uh, you know, we hope you get a million bows, you know, from, from this, um, and not, you know, like you said, the, the Jennings Buckmaster and the Pearson spoilers of the world, like some, Hey, it's some all good. good. We'll take what we can get. <laughs> We're going to hit the bow fishing industry by storm. I think if we, if we keep going, so sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So Something what, for everybody. One more time, where can people uh, find you on Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff? It is the, oh God, I don't know what my Instagram is. What's my Instagram? (laughs) Oh yeah, Sticks and Stones Archer on Instagram. Um, And then Facebook is The Dust Off Project by Sticks and Stones Archery. Or they can reach me through the shop page, just Sticks and Stones Archery. Or my personal page, Tyson Trunkhill. Awesome, man. We appreciate it. Yeah. Yep. Thanks, guys. It was great talking to you. And hopefully we run into you sooner than the next hack somewhere. For sure. Yeah. <laughs>